0: Hello, friends. It's me, Josh, and for this week's SYSK Selects, I've chosen a super cool episode that has it all: engineering, strange physics, Elon Musk. What else do you want? What more could you ask for? Uh, Also, by the way, I'm pretty sure that the contest we talk about in the listener mail is no longer around since it's many, many years old. At any rate, enjoy this episode about the future of transportation.
1: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works.
0: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck, Chuckers, Brian, yeah, woo, and this is Stuff you Should <laughs> Oh, is that what you're going with?
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah. I might bust right into C.C. Ryder, Elvis style. I would have gone with the Muppet show. Oh, yeah. It's time we put on makeup.
0: Yeah. What was that? Somebody's giant stomach? That's what it sounded like. What was
1: that? Yeah, that's weird. Did weird Did you guys hear that the out there? Yeah,
0: that was crazy.
1: That couldn't have been Jerry's stomach, there's no way. No. All right, (laughs) what's what's your intro? Enough stalling, huh? (laughs) Chuck. Yes.
0: Uh, Well, you remember our Magnet podcast. Yeah. I personally thought it was a great episode because we explained how magnets work. Yeah, it was was good, tough, but good. Yeah, it was tough, but it was also kind of... um, it was one of those ones where you're like, oh, okay, that explains pretty much everything about magnets. Yeah. Something that I've used before in my life. Sure. And I just kind of took for granted. Some people think that they're magic, no. but we kind of said this is how they work. Yeah. I liked it. So um, I liked this epi- this um, article
1: in theory. The one we're about to do a show on? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. About maglev trains. Yeah, we did a video on maglev trains. Remember that? Mm-hmm. One of our... One of our interstitial shorts was on Maglev trains. Uh,
0: Did we? Yeah. Uh, I remember doing the um, quantum levitation. Was that it? No,
1: Maglev. Are you sure? Yeah, because that's the only way I knew about any of this was the fact that we had talked about it before.
0: Well, what did we talk about?
1: Uh, Maglev, you know, the... the (laughs) Basic principle in one minute behind magnetic levitation.
0: Well, that's pretty much what we're going to do here. Yeah,
1: except slightly longer. Yeah, so
0: um, that was my intro, my non-intro. And we should say also, um, everyone, it is next to impossible to get up to the minute up-to-the-year information about what maglev trains are in operation, what are still planned, what's still going on. So it is possible. We may get that part a little incorrect, but we're going to try our best to be as accurate as possible.
1: Yeah, and the reason why is because magnetic levitation to power a train is so new well, it's actually not that new because they've been doing it for a while in well, yeah, fits and, it was, and starts. It was proposed
0: ever since Tesla started noticing yeah. what was going on in the late 19th century.
1: But it's so new in this regard as far as super fast speed trains powered by magnets transporting lots of people over distances, maybe great distances. Yeah. That is so new. And there are so a few different technologies that mm-hmm. – it is kind of hard to keep track on which one is in the forefront, right? Which ones are being funded because the, the this stuff is expensive. It is. Um and it's hard to get funding especially here in the states.
0: Yeah, and if you go on if you just type maglev into Google or your favorite search engine, um or DuckDuckGo, if you're, you know, kind of watching who's watching you. Oh, is that a, like a secret? It's like an, a, search an anonymous search engine. Oh, okay. Um you We'll find there's projects all over the United States, and all of them are like we're shovel ready, we're ready to go. Just give us some money, yeah. And they're not getting any money because the construction costs are so enormous. Because with Maglev trains, you can't use existing railways.
1: Yeah, it's all new. <clears throat> and uh, I, th- I saw one quote, and again, who knows how recent this is, but fifty million euros per mile. I can believe this is what the German uh, consortium is is quoting. The thing is, is once you get it built. Maintenance is
0: not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Because there's not a lot of wear and tear on it, as you'll see. No friction, baby. Um, and if you do look into Maglev, you will see that it is very much like the the transportation technology of the future that's going on today. Um, especially after looking into Elon Musk's um, tube, Hyperloop thing. I haven't heard of that. Uh, so basically, Elon Musk, who is like our good friend.
1: Yeah. Super rich guy,
0: right? He basically just jotted down this idea on a cocktail napkin, and all of a sudden, it's like the new thing. Yeah, but um, it's a an enclosed tube system that just you put in uh, a little car or whatever that seats twelve people or something comfortably, and you suck all the air out of it. Yeah, vacuum tube, no resistance. Yeah, so you can go really fast. Basically, I think it goes about seven hundred miles an hour, a little under the speed of sound. So you can get from the West Coast to the East Coast or vice versa very, very fast. The thing is the construction costs for this are, are just preposterous. But if it can come along or come down a little more, yeah. then it, it will give Maglev uh, a run for its money. But if, it, if Maglev can start to really kind of get some traction and get some lines going, it, it will be the, the movement of the future for at least a decade or two.
1: Yeah, I saw where th- they're proposing both in the future maglev trains that operate inside vacuum tubes. Okay. As fast as 2,000 miles an hour. That's crazy. Right now they're breaking records like 300 miles an hour plus. What's the fastest right now? Uh, the So
0: apparently, and this is kind of mind-boggling because maglev, As again, I, we realize everybody, we haven't explained what maglev is. We're, We're just talking it. here. <laughs> uh, but um, maglev the the great advantage it has is that it, it supposedly goes faster than the normal steel wheel train. Oh yeah! Apparently, a TGV train, which is a steel wheel train uh-huh. um, in Europe, they uh, they beat a Maglev land speed record really? that was held by the Japanese Maglev of uh, about three hundred and fifty one miles an hour. I think it went like three sixty. Man, I don't know
1: if I'd feel safe.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I was I was reading a quote from a Maglev rider. And they were saying like you can tell you're going really fast. Yeah, like on the uh, the bullet train, Yumi's gonna be so disappointed because she's taught me how to say it in Japanese so many times, and I I don't want to butcher it. But the the bullet train it goes pretty fast. Yeah, it's like 150 miles an hour or something. But. It, it just looks like everything's a blur. Yeah. You don't feel like you're going fast. Apparently in a maglev, it goes fast enough to where like you feel like, holy cow, we're yeah. going 350 miles an hour.
1: Well, our very own parent company did a show, World's Fastest Trains. Yeah. And I watched the maglev segment and the dude, you know, was in the front room with the driver and they were like, all right, we're going 300 miles an hour now. <laughs> and it's hard to tell on the TV, you know, exactly how fast they're going. Because I looked and I was like, well, didn't, you know. Looks like about a hundred to me, mm-hmm. but um yeah, I think being on the train, and I think the key to not feeling too weird is obviously you 're not being shot out like a bullet you 're ramping up to that speed, right, so that helps
0: plus if you dress normally for your train ride you 'll feel less weird too <laughs> that's right um, also hold on one more thing um, we 're we're talking very high speeds, three hundred and fifty miles an hour yeah that's the um that's the speed record of a maglev yeah. But they're averaging like 250 or more. Yeah. Which means if you if you get these things built, you're going to expand the range of where people can live and commute and go to work every day. Sure. Tremendously. Yeah. Um. So there is a lot of value in creating these maglevs.
1: Right. Are we there yet?
0: Well, before we do that, uh, let's just might as well do a message break now, huh?
1: I think it's a good time. Okay. Stuff you should know. All right, so now can we get down to brass tacks?
0: Yes, let's. Okay, Um, this is kind of confusing because I read a paper in 1980, I think 1980, where this guy was saying, like, there's a lot of people calling all these different technologies maglev. Yeah. This this is all very early stage proposal. It hadn't been proven yet. Yeah. But he was saying there's at least seven different kinds of technology here that everyone's calling maglev that are different enough that it doesn't, they're just different. Yeah. But for the purposes of this podcast, we can get away with maglev, but we have to point out that there are some really different systems that are in use and being proposed right now, and a lot of them have to do with the um, suspension systems.
1: Yeah, I think what's going on now, there are three pretty much leading competing systems, right?
0: Yeah, because we should say, Chuck, a maglev train is a train that uses magnets to float above a track yeah. by either a half a centimeter to... I saw one that floats up to a foot off the track.
1: Uh, that's a little scary.
0: It seems a little scary, but yeah. apparently the higher you go in that, that high end of the range, uh-huh. the more stable it is. All right. Yeah, but so the, the train is literally not touching the tracks, and it floats along it, and the reason that's why it can go so fast is because there's no friction.
1: No friction. The only resistance is air, right? And they're super sleek, of course. Yep. So even the air is cut down. Uh, so let's go. Let's go to Germany first because they have a system. Uh, Transrapid. It's called the actually company is called Transrapid International. There's also a Transrapid USA now. I think Mm-mm. USA. That's right. Uh, and the German version is electromagnetic uh, suspension. And the way that the guy on the Discovery Channel show described it was that electromagnets, well, when you use electromagnets, they're only um, magnetized when there's a power source right, involved. When, when there's electricity running through them. Exactly. So that's important to remember.
0: It is, and we'll point out why later.
1: Because in the German system, uh, the EMS system, it's all about attraction. It's not repe- magnets repelling each other. It's magnets that are attracted to each other, and the reason that they float is... They're basically switching it on and off, pulsing the electromagnetic uh, magnet so fast that it creates that hovering attraction. Okay. So that's the German version.
0: So, um, okay. And apparently this German version, I think they do use repulsive magnets, but on the sides for the guidance magnets. Yeah. So to make it hover... They're turning it on and off a lot, so it wants to stick, but no, but stick, but no. Yeah, and there's
1: not a dude on a switch doing it really fast. No. It's all programmed to pulse.
0: Right. They have computers handling it. Sure. Um, And then, so this is the the suspension system you're talking about, right? The electromagnetic suspension?
1: Yeah, the EMS.
0: And the word suspension is kind of easily overlooked, but in this case, we're literally talking about how the train is suspended in midair above the track in this case. And with the uh, EMS, it's about, I think, a, a half a centimeter to a centimeter. It's, br- it's very close to the, to the track. Yeah. And they use the electromagnets to attract, uh, and they use the guidance magnets, which are magnets installed on the side yeah. of the train uh, that are along the side of the track, to repel magnets along the side of the track. To keep the the train from bumping into the guide rails, yeah, but the, it requires a, um, a a computer system to constantly make adjustments to yeah. the current that 's going through these electromagnets to either um, uh, to either attract the train right to make it float or to repel it from the sides to adjust it to make sure it never bumps into the rails or the track because if you 're going three hundred and fifty miles an hour yeah, you don't want and it your train Cuffs the track, you're in big trouble. You're
1: in big trouble. Uh, one advantage of this, uh, the German system, is that you only need the power on for the section of track that you're using at the time. So they literally uh, will turn on a section of track, the train goes over it, and then they'll turn it back off. Right. So, so it's very like uh, economically fuel well not fuel efficient because it's not fuel.
0: Right, and that's... But power a, efficient. Right, and it doesn't use fossil fuels in the sense that a normal train does, although if you go far enough down the line, that electricity has to come from somewhere. So ultimately, it is coming from fossil yeah, fuels. Yeah, I guess so. But the the efficiency, the fuel efficiency, is incredible compared to, you know, a normal train that burns cool. fossil fuels just to <laughs> move, right? The guy that's shoveling coal into a fire. Yeah. Yeah. But I should say, so my understanding of the the... Delivery of electricity to the track is the same for both suspension systems, that you propel like that. So the whole track is made of electromagnets, right, On, on both systems. And you're just sending electricity to the electromagnets that are immediately in front of and immediately behind the train. Yeah. And immediately need, under.
1: Yeah, cuz you need to you need to float the train, then you need to propel it.
0: Right, and the way you're propelling it is the magnets that are just ahead of the train are going to be positive. Yes. And so that's going to attract the train, meaning it's going to pull it forward. Yeah. And then the the uh, magnets behind it are going to be charged so that they're negative and they're going to repel the train, push it. So in the front, the magnets are pulling it. In the the back, the magnets are pushing it. And again, remember, there's no friction here. It's just air. So it doesn't take a whole lot to make this train go really, really fast just using
1: magnets. Yeah, and they, uh, in 2002, debuted commercially uh, in Shanghai, China, a uh, pretty short run, transporting people um, from airport to airport, basically, Um, At a speed, it speeds over 250 miles an hour. So I read that the journey, the 19-mile journey now takes about seven and a half minutes. Yeah. As opposed to about an hour in a cab. Yeah. And they were going to expand it, but uh, that was halted in 2008 over radiation fears by people. And now it's being proposed as an underground system, like to go underground to halt those fears. But in 2010... Another high-speed train in the area was a non-Maglev system opened, so they basically said, well, we probably won't do this. Uh, we probably won't extend the Shanghai line now.
0: So, yeah, I heard it's definitely on hold, but I didn't hear that they decided they weren't going to do it.
1: Well, the the regular bullet train popped up, and they are yeah. like, oh, well, now that we have that, I guess we don't need the, the Maglev. Oh,
0: well. Oh, well. So uh, Japan's got the other um, big rival system, uh so the propulsion systems are the same. You use magnets ahead of the train and behind the train to attract or repel it, right, to push it forward. I believe so, sir. Um, the suspension systems are what differ. In Germany, you're using magnets to um, repel it, right? To attract it. To attract it. In Japan, you're using something called the Meisner effect. So basically, Chuck, the Meisner effect is where you take a supercooled superconductor, right? Yes. I think like liquid helium temperature, which is very, very cold, yeah. and you put it in a magnetic field, the magnetic field basically hugs it. It goes around it rather than through it, okay? Yes. Um, So when you do that, the field actually levitates the thing. So if you take enough superconductors that are at the right temperature, and you put them in the presence of a magnetic field, a whole bunch of magnets say on a train yeah the the magnet will float it will levitate that's right and that's the uh electrodynamic suspension that the japanese are using so basically you have a tunnel a magnetic field tunnel yeah that these things are traveling through which means that they're they do they don't need any extra magnets on the sides or they don't need any on the bottom or extra magnets on the bottom it's just going to stay put within this bent magnetic field that's warped to wrap around it that's right it's never going to drop and it's totally stable which is the big that's a big um advantage from what i understand of the japanese system over the german system the stability doesn't require a bunch of computers to constantly adjust it and it is just inherently more stable because it's not just being held up from the bottom and then a little on the sides it is wrapped in this basically blanket of an electromagnetic field.
1: Right. Uh, It can conduct power, uh, electricity, even when the power is cut off. So that's a definite advantage. Um, Although the German system does have, like, battery backups. It's not like if the power went off, the train would just go and stop. Right. Um, but the,
0: the German one doesn't ever, doesn't need tires, and the Japanese one does.
1: Yeah, because it needs to ramp up to a certain speed in order to begin the float. It doesn't just start immediately.
0: What is it, like 88 miles per hour?
1: That's back to the future. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's uh, 62 miles an hour. And uh, I think they use liquid nitrogen, and it's just expensive mm-hmm. to super cool these uh, coils. And I think that's one of the drawbacks. But they're all expensive. They and are very none, expensive. You, none of this is... They haven't figured out a cheap way to do any of this.
0: No, there's a proposed line um in Japan. It's already it's the one that set the uh the that land speed record for maglev trains. Right. It's the JR Toki um that's the railway company. The JR Tolkien? It's kinda close. Yeah. <laughs> but it's their line. Um it's supposedly is already in operation. I read somewhere that it's moved like a million people already. But they have a proposed line that they want to open by 2027, and it's from Tokyo to Nagoya, and then they want to extend that from Tokyo to Osaka by 2045, and they're talking like it's like a 50 billion dollar project, and I think that's just the first line.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that sounds about right.
0: But the reason that it probably will happen is they're they're um, basing all of this on data showing that people are going to keep moving to Japan and Osaka, so they're going right. to have customers, and they're not relying on any government money. They have so much money, they're just going to fund it themselves. Is this
1: privately funded? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another con, though, the Japanese version, is that if you have a pacemaker, you don't want to get on that train Yeah, because um, that magnetic field will uh, wreak havoc, and you probably won't live. It will shut you down. <laughs> it will shut you down. Uh, and then there's the induct track. And that is uh, another type of EDS system, which is the Japanese system, uh, except that they use room temperature magnets. And from what I could tell, this is as close to just the the whole thing of two magnets, regular magnets opposing each other, and they're just going to use that, right? Yeah. Like it's as close to we get as you going out to the store and getting two magnets and putting their like poles against each other so that they repel.
0: Yeah, there's actually something called the Hallbach array, which is yeah. a, a way to just line up the magnets um, in certain directions so that their poles are facing north, south, east, or west. Um, and when you put them together in a clump, basically the, um, it, the magnetic field below the magnets doubles. The magnetic field on the top of the magnet cancels one another out. Right. So you have your extra strong magna- magnetic field that can produce this Meisner effect, basically, um, without this super-cooled superconductor.
1: Yeah, and these aren't even electromagnets, I don't think. Aren't they just magnets?
0: I think they're permanent room-temperature magnets. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh,
1: there are three um, designs right now. The induct track one, two, and three. Um, one is high speed, two is slow speed, and three is heavy load slow speed yeah so i guess just freighting stuff back and forth i guess so you know they did this in london at one point but then shut it down like in the 80s
0: they had a maglev train
1: yeah just a very slow moving like it might have been an airport type situation Mm, gotcha and i looked up the one here in atlanta the new uh airport train i thought it might have been maglev but of course it's not it's just wheels just stupid wheels (laughs) um Although what, what they will have Atlanta have its day, <laughs> well, they have proposed one. Atlanta's one of the cities um, that's trying to get Maglev going between Atlanta and Chattanooga. Yeah, and there's one proposed between D.C. and Baltimore, LA
0: and Las Vegas.
1: Yeah, LA and Vegas, um, and I think one from Pittsburgh to someplace, but I'm not sure exactly where.
0: I saw that one too. I don't remember Where'd where it, it, it might have been. D.C. to
1: DC, Pittsburgh, Philly.
0: Yeah. Well, hold on. We're getting ahead of ourselves, man.
1: Well, no. These are just proposals, and and they're having a hard time getting the funding they need for any of these to really take off. Right, because it's expensive. It, it is.
0: Well, uh, Chuck, how about a uh, how about a message break? Huh? Hey, let's do it. Okay. Stuff All right. So. Um, this whole idea of going 350 miles an hour through space, even without friction, is um, awesome. It is awesome. It can also be deadly. There've there've already been maglev accidents.
1: Yeah, the one in Germany uh, was a little distressing because in 2006 it crashed into a repair car that was accidentally left on the track. Like, <laughs> and this was a test too. So yeah. it's like everything should like,
0: have been cleared? extra. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, why do you leave a car on the track, period? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, So they actually, people died in that one. The train was going at least 120 miles an hour when it struck the car. So it must have just been getting up to speed,
0: I guess. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, 29 people died on that one. There was another one in Shanghai on that line that is in operation.
1: Yeah, that was just a fire, though. Yeah. And I don't want to make light of that, but it wasn't like a crash or an incident like that.
0: Yeah. I'm just glad no one got hurt.
1: Exactly, uh, and this is breaking news, dude. This was in the paper today, as we record it in real time. Okay. The Washington Post said that uh, northeast maglev. Everyone's getting in on the maglev game uh, because it. I mean, like it really is a great idea. Yeah. It's just really, really expensive, but it, if you can get it up and running, it's awesome. I mean, I imagine in literally in a hundred years mm. there'll be a lot of this as major transportation. Sure. You know. But no, we won't see it. Um, but as of today, November 4th, Northeast Maglev is, uh, has raised $50 million in private funds. They can build five inches of track with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're trying to get the Washington-Baltimore leg going with private funding because the government's not ponying up uh, any money for this. I, I think we'll see it in our lifetime. They think $10 billion between uh, D.C. and Baltimore. Yeah. Um, although they're not, they don't have a firm cost yet. <clears throat> But, um, I wonder how long it would take because, I mean, that's not even that long of
0: a drive anyway. Yeah, agreed. Maybe 10 minutes, which, I mean, if you live in Baltimore and work in DC, I'm sure that would be extremely attractive. Yeah,
1: that's true. Um, I don't know about the Atlanta to Chattanooga thing. Who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, people in Chattanooga would be psyched, I guess, because they could get to the airport in like 30 minutes. Yeah, I guess. Not in Chattanooga. I'll go there and pan for gold.
0: I saw this. Um, this uh, It was some discovery show, a video from a discovery show too. Um, and it had our good friend uh, Michio Kaku. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was talking about a train, a bullet train, that could get you from one side of the world to the other in an hour. Wow. And the way that it would do that is to go through the middle of the earth. <laughs> basically you would have to create this tube, basically like Elon Musk's idea. You create a tube, yeah. you evacuate all of the air out yeah. of it so that there's no resistance whatsoever, and you just drop. And the force of gravity takes you up to about 18,000 miles an hour. yeah. And then once you make it to the center and out the other side, your gravity starts to work against you, so it slows you down. So uh, within an hour, you should be able to make it from one side of the Earth to the other. But as Dr. Kaku put, put it, um, it's going to be very
1: difficult getting
0: through the center of the earth.
1: Yeah. That's the build it
0: to.
1: I love all these theoretical ideas yeah. these guys come up with It like, it's not even, even in, remotely possible.
0: Right. And he'd probably say, like, I was just talking about what they asked me to talk about.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's like, dude, I was at McDonald's one day when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was waiting in line at McDonald's. Yeah. So, what else you got? I got nothing else. Maglev. Yeah, the Uh, wave of the future.
0: Yeah, we've got a we have a a standing bet now. We will see a maglev train in operation that we can ride on while we're both alive. That's my bet. You say no?
1: That we will like I mean if we went to Shanghai we could do it right now. So I I feel like I just won my bet. (laughs) Well that you're gonna pay for us to go to Shanghai. Here in
0: the United States.
1: Okay. Um uh within our lifetime, which for me is gonna be about twenty five years. While we're both still healthy enough to, to ride it. Okay,
0: I'll, I'll take that bet. Okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, let's see if you guys want to learn more about Maglev. You can type that word in the search bar at howstuffworks.com. And since I said uh, search bar, it's time for listener mail.
1: That's right. This is, uh, I'm going to call this opportunity for students, filmmaking students, to nice. get your film on. Uh, hey guys, I work for a nonprofit Antiquity Now, which <laughs> is dedicated to raising awareness of the importance of preserving a our cult- cultural heritage by demonstrating how antiquity's legacy influences and shapes our lives today.
0: Yeah, they have good stuff. We follow them on Twitter.
1: Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Nice. We do, Chuck. Yes, we do. Uh, many of us at Antiquity Now are big fans of you guys. We thought uh, you would be interested in this upcoming project. We are holding the first ever Legacy Quest International Children's Film and Video Festival, which aims to get tweens and teens excited about history. The festival will be held in conjunction. With the Archaeology Channel International Film and Video Festival on May 9 through 13, 2014, in Eugene, Oregon. So, here's what you gotta do, kids. Okay. Uh, Young people, if you're between 12 and 15, you can submit videos that represent antiquity's legacy in our contemporary life. For example, you could depict how the invention of the wheel or calendar has contributed to modern society, or how ancient methods of solar energy have informed today's green technology. You got that? Yes. Entries may be submitted by an individual student or by a group or class under the guidance of a teacher. As the festival was designed in accordance with the United States National Curriculum Standards for Social Studies, Legacy Quest would be a great project for teachers to do with their classes. Uh, creating the video will support the development of literacy research skills, writing skills, visual communication, and storytelling. Uh, and they have prizes. First, second, and third prize, among along with ten honorable mentions, will be announced at the Archaeology Channel International Film and Video Festival nice, and promoted online by both uh, the Archaeology Channel and Antiquity Now. And us. And us. So uh, for more information and submission forms, go to antiquitynow.org. And that is from Shaandra Goldfinger. Not Chandra. Right. She points out it's Shaandra Goldfinger, Goldfinger, which is a great name. It really is. And uh, again, that's May 9th through 13th of next year, teachers, students.
0: Where can they go to find out more info?
1: Yeah, antiquitynow.org.
0: Yeah, or you can follow them on Twitter and ask them yourself. Yes. Uh, If you want to let us know about any cool stuff you've got going on that you want to share with everybody who listens to Stuff You Should Know, your fellow SYSK family, you can uh, tweet to us at uh, SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. Or you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com.
1: Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.